we will not be held responsible for any hearing impairments or damage caused to you from excessive exposure to this sound. Information is free. The there is hope. Mummy says don't play with fire. Oh, oh, oh my god. That's hot. But Mummy says it's okay to play everything. Cool. If you don't like them, I'm sure your sister will. Hey, babe, you want to go out? Hi, hi, hello, and hey, hey. Welcome to this week's episode of The Criticast. The name is Larry. It's such an absolute pleasure being with you for yet another episode of craziness, just looking at the things that happened across the world. In the second uh, part of the episode, I'm going to talk about black empowerment. Uh, it is uh, currently it's 49 years, 39 years rather, since uh, Steve Biko died uh, this uh, this coming week. And then also uh, we're going to talk about role changes between men and women in relationships, given the evolving nature of how human, uh, men and women are classified within societies and that sort of thing. But first of all, a uh, big story it was, uh, remember that the court gave a ruling recently that uh, uh, the, the ban by the police in Harare on demonstrations was unconstitutional. Now, that was misinterpreted by a lot of people to mean that people could just immediately go onto the street, uh, street and start striking again. And uh, yet it was that uh, the, the judge was pretty clever about it. What she did was to simply say, okay, uh, what you call it is unconstitutional, but we won't, we're going to suspend the uh, decision to make it unconstitutional for seven days so that we give the government enough time to comply. And uh, incidentally, the seven days expire the day that the government allows our uh, protests once again. So, yeah, it's a get-out-of-jail card. And then I'll tell you, if I could get a get-out-of-jail card, I'll just I'll grab it. I'll grab it faster than you can say, ha. Uh, in other news, uh, Sky's Metro has gone online. That's uh, the radio station for Bulawayo. Uh, shout out to you guys, 100.3. Uh, this is after the government gave a lot of these uh, the private uh, broadcasting stations within cities and towns and so forth. The regional ones that have got licenses. If you remember, they got licenses in March last year. Only two have gone online. That is, uh, what's this one? Um, uh, Yai FM, yeah, as well as uh, Diamond FM. And the Bulawayo station has been testing a signal this past week. And for yeah. You now have a station. It looks like it's going to be on going line. There are a couple of other stations as well. The one in Nguiru and Mashingo saying that they're testing the signals, final stages of testing their signals, and they expect to go online very soon. Winky D and Morgan and Oliver Tukudzi released a single this week. And the, much of the criticism is around the fact that people say, oh, Tuku didn't do much on that song. He did a lot. He, the ad lib is huge. And it complements a song that belongs belongs to Winky D. And then, of course, uh, uh, I think the, the, what you call it, uh, what was it, uh, the guitar playing? Remember, I always, I always make reference to Carlos Santana's featuring on that Maria Maria song. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. He didn't do much singing. He didn't do singing at all, but, uh, you know, that guitar is a feature. So, yeah, I think uh, Oliver Mtukuzi does a great job at what he does on that song. Morgan Heritage confirmed for a gig in Zimbabwe uh, this coming October, and they're going to be performing alongside Winky D, as well as Oliver Mtukuzi and Freeman. I don't know why Oliver Mtukuzi is on that bill, to be honest. It just looks out of there. And I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, they're probably going to add more artists, aren't they? 
like like it just feels like a reggae sun splash when you get a Zimbabwean uh, concert or concert happening is happening in Zimbabwe. And I think Morgan Heritage on their own can command fifteen to twenty thousand. Why are we adding so many things on top of that? Of course, the argument is that the guys like Morgan Heritage are contracted to perform probably for an hour, hour and a half, two hours max. So they want to fill out that time so that they can sell more alcohol. So it is what it is. Uh, also happening in the... Oh, I do think that the choice of venues as HICC is a bit too small, to be honest. But uh, thinking about it, where are they going to do it? Because, you know, you've got uh, venues that are just not available at this time of the year. Like, for example, Glamis can't be used at the moment because of exams. Uh, you've got uh, Belgravia Sports Club. It's got the same issue. Uh, a couple of other places, they just can't be used at the moment. So, uh, I don't know. It's been a rock and a hard place. It's a difficult thing for the organizers. What I was going to tell you what happening this week, uh, news came out that climate change could result in coffee, yeah, you know, uh, becoming extinct by the year 2080. That should get some people excited. By the year 2050, half the land that we have for growing coffee could be, ex- it could be wiped out. So, yeah, you might not be able to have a cup of coffee if you're alive in, yeah, 30, 40, 50 years' time. And then also, what can I tell you about uh, the news is that sex uh, for older men is a bad, bad, bad idea. Uh, primarily because, uh, you know, for men, sex is always about performance. And that's why men end up having to get performance enha- enhancing drugs as they grow older. So to be able to perform. So uh, it just so turns out that according to science, it's, uh, yeah, as you grow older, the chances of dying while in the sack go higher. And finally, the thing I want to talk about is uh, this whole hullabaloo around Dominic Menura's uh, sculpture that went uh, that was uh, presented to the president re- recently. Well, I don't understand what the hullabaloo is. Dominic Menura never ever makes exact exact uh, exact uh, likeness type of uh, structures when he does his work with wood with by the sorry with stone so i mean for those who don't know uh, i can understand on the basis of the fact that it's not something that's openly available there but for media practitioners to jump in on that and say oh this is an ugly statue no no silly it's called art Information, how can I help you? Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. The name is Larry and you're listening to The Criticast. Now, 39 years ago, the 12th of September, Steve Bantu Bigo was uh, killed in detention by the apartheid regime that was in place. And uh, while well, they claimed that they that he died by accident, whatever the case may be, they put it, everybody knows that they were bleeding murderers. Now, a lot of people will, will point to that event as the turning point of the struggle as international pressure on the re- apartheid regime at that time increased. Uh, what is often ignored is a lot of what the man stood for. And I'll tell you that I remember the first time I looked at his words, I was overwhelmed that in such a short time in his life, the man had spoken extensively. One of the things that is most basic yet uh, completely ignored is the tenets of humanity, that is uh, the need for identity. Identity For for Biko, for example, black consciousness was not racism. This is one thing they get people, uh, people get wrong. It was the m- mantra of uh, black is beautiful. He empowered a black person in a world which uh, convinced him that he was inferior. Uh, the most, uh, you say, the most potent uh, weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed, he said. 
It was, it was the perpetuation of that mindset that he fought against. Because without identity, we had nothing to live or die for and we could uh, cater to the whims of, uh, you know, whatever pop psychology of that day is. And it's happening nowadays where we, we sometimes find ourselves caught up in other people's identities and struggles and so forth and we forget about our own. Uh, the first step, of course, is to accept that one is black. And I think if I can quote what uh, Biko himself said, in the book, uh, I write what I like in 1978. And it was it's such a succinct thing because it is actually quite simple and yet quite profound. It says, merely by describing yourself as black, you have started on a road towards emancipation. You have committed yourself to the fight against all forces that seek to use your blackness as a stamp that make, marks you as the subservient being. Uh, it, speaking to the Boston Globe in, on 25 October 1977, it said, as a prelude, whites must be made to realize that they are only human, not superior. Same with blacks, they must be made to realize that they are also human and not inferior. So it's a fight towards, um, to, towards really just becoming human, you know. Uh, I often a gem that I I also uh, read from him is it's better to die for an idea that will live, than to live for an idea that will die, and it's it's such a gem, man. You know, Biko wanted to give South Africa more of a human face. One day, the world too must have one, and I'm talking about the simple ideologies, as such as the fact that uh, you know being black not being just a matter of pigmentation but it comes with you know different tenets of history right now most much of what we know about ourselves is surface you know we, we kind of know that uh the, there was a bunch of migration and that sort of thing but we don't really know that much about ourselves and you know biko would weep today seeing the mental uh attitude of some of the blacks he fought for at, at the time that he was alive you know apartheid is most disgusting and raw form um, has been consigned to history. But it, it still exists in the mind of dis, the, the many disenfranchised masses who still feel that they're not part of the bigger argument. I mean, just was talking about uh, South Africa, talking about the whole world. You look at movements such as the Black Lives Matter and so forth, you think, you'd think that 39 years after Biko's death and with the world being where it is, uh, in terms of the ideology that's being sold to the world, that would have moved a lot, be, uh, uh, moved a lot, uh, lot more forward, and we still live on the outside of a lot of the the real wealth. Uh, the black, you know, he say the blacks are tired of standing at the touch lines to witness a game that they sh they should be playing. They want to do things for themselves and all by themselves. And the, you know, and, and you know, I I, I find it, I find it galling, especially among my young black. Uh, uh, co-black people when when we lack the realization of the fact that in this world you you have to work triple as hard to get the same type of recognition as someone who has got a fairer skin we're talking about fighting a white supremacist power structure now the fact that some people are beneficiaries of this power structure doesn't necessarily make them evil but we're talking about the system itself that perpetuates these class uh, structures. And in our understanding of our, in, in order to fight this, sorry, I always say it's, it's easier to fight to defend something that you have than to fight for an ideal you don't have. So the first thing you want to do in as far as empowerment is concerned is to empower yourself, understand yourself. Understand where you stand, because if you go to war and you don't know where you're standing, you're not sure which part of the struggle you'll find yourself in.
He said, it, it becomes more necessary to see the truth as it is if you realize that the only vehicle for change exists in those who have lost their personality. The first step, uh, to, uh, therefore, is to make the black man come to himself, to pump back life into his empty shell, to infuse with him pride and dignity, to remind him of his complicity in the crime of allowing himself to be misused, and therefore le- letting evil reign supreme in the country of his birth. And when you think about that, the most powerful words, because you need to understand that because you didn't have something that you you were fighting for, you became complicit in maintaining the power structures that existed. The words that ring through today, because whatever the divisions we have among ourselves in our individual countries, what is always going to remain the truth in the fight for empowerment is Black man, you're on your own. Life is progressive and I think it's all about making it becomes and making that difference according to your lifestyle. If the wife is, is the one who is bringing in the bacon and the husband is at home, then it's not in put of the sort of citizen responsibilities, but it's in managing what you have and managing the household together. And let me start with, I'm not a feminist, but as a Christian girl, Proverbs 31 teaches us that women should work. But I think now what the problem is, is that should a woman be making more money than the man that creates problems because those creatures are fragile and egotistical. So the moment you make more money than him, you start to have problems. And what he will then go and do is he'll take some of your money that you're making and go and be a blesser to some little girl that where he has the power in the relationship. And Proverbs 31 also says, do not give, for men, they shouldn't give their power over to women. So even if your woman works, you need to work harder. If she's earning a million, you need to be earning 1.5 million. So if you're working, the man must always make more money. I think that's it. But with married couples where there is now children, women need to realize that you're now a mother as well. And you can't swap roles with that. Like you can't be pregnant and be making the money at the same time. It does not work. And unfortunately, these reversal roles that you're trying to do are stupid. And because now you're doing both. You're making the money and you're carrying the babies and you can't exactly be like to the man, okay, I'll go out there and bring home the bacon, you bring home the baby. So in case what uh, you're wondering what the question was, I asked people uh, with the 
fact that some women are beginning to earn more than their husbands or simply because sometimes they're the only people that are earning money. Uh, roles within a marriage is reversing. Could we have house husbands become more common and that sort of thing? Uh, another person said he could not put uh, what he had to say on blast. He said where there was a time he got broke and uh, he, with his ex-wife. I think it was ex-wife. I can't remember. Sorry if I got the detail wrong. But he said it was with his ex-wife and she was just she just couldn't understand that uh, he couldn't make as much money as he used to and at the same time he needed to finish some school and so forth so it does get complicated we'd like to think that the discussion doesn't happen but it does money issues are among the biggest reasons if you, if you watch channel 170 171 you always find that most of those murders i don't i'm not saying it gets to that level but a lot of those murders that happen in those places are because of money issues but having said that what do i think of the of it all i think that the, the, the class, or rather the roles that exist right now were a response to the environment that people lived in at that point in time. I think uh, what often was the case was that women were, uh, were assigned a role, so to speak, in which uh, they would rear for children and so forth. A man would go out and find the food and that sort of thing. But as societies evolve, uh, what's happening now is that uh, sometimes both parents are having to take up jobs in order to take care of their children. So sometimes it's not even a case of a partner making more money than the other, but the roles within the marriage are becoming a bit more fluid because the definitions for what marriage has become compared to the pressures that existed before is evolving. And for that reason, I think, quite frankly, if, 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 if an adjustment is needed and both parties agree to it, then go with it. And what's critical for me, and I always say when it comes to relationship issues, communication is key. It's absolutely key. Have the conversation, even if it's a painful conversation, have it and come to an agreement or lack of agreement of, uh, for, for, rather than have a situation that escalates. And because when people don't talk to each other, they start behaving in a certain way and they become suspicious of each other's activities, even if there's no reason to be suspicious because they haven't had the conversation. That's where you say have a situation where you think somebody's taking advantage of you because you did not take time to find out which where they were coming from. So yeah, that's it for this week's episode of the Criticast. If you want to talk to me about these and any other topics, uh, also suggestions for what topics you'd like me to tackle on the Criticast, info at laddiecritic.com. In fact, send me questions that you think you'd like me to answer specifically on relationship issues. Info at laddiecritic.com. At Quidditch on Twitter, you can get in touch with me via that way. Don't miss an episode. Go on to iono.fm, iono.fm. Go to the RSS feed and copy the RSS uh, link there and put it in whatever yeah, system that you use to uh, to do what you got to do. And then also on iTunes, it's uh, just go to iTunes.com and uh, look for Quidditchcast. So you look for Quidditchcast on on iTunes and subscribe and you won't miss an episode of the Criticast. Catch me on ZFM Stereo every Tuesday between 6 and 6.30 on Tuesday Night Football and uh, between uh, 8.30 and 9pm on Health Matters. Other than that, I will say once again in the words of Steve Bantabigo, the power of the oppressor is in the mind of the oppressed. It's been Larry. It's been the Criticast. Take care of yourself. If you don't like them... I'm sure your sister will. Hey, babe, you want to go out?